Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Good to see you this morning. My name is Dusty Otis. Thankful you're taking part of your day to be with me, to join us as we jump into a new series titled this season, the Christmas season. Merry Christmas to you. I know we just finished Thanksgiving and we're stepping into December, the, the best time of the year in my opinion. And so we get to talk about Christmas and the title for this week's message is The Best Christmas Offer. Lots of offers right now with holiday deals, but what is the best Christmas offer? We'll really be rooted in Ephesians chapter 3 um, and it's going to give us the context for our Cornerstone Scripture, which I'll share with you in just a second. And what we're talking about this morning uh, is God's love, God's sacrifice, and ultimately His offer for you this Christmas. And so, uh, welcome to all of you who are joining us online. I'm super thankful for you taking part of your day to be with me. And the reason for the season, as we step into December, I don't want to give you um, a lot of lead into Christmas. I want to talk about the reason for Christmas right now as we step into the first weekend of December, so you have something to reflect on, something to to dream on um, the, in the next coming weeks. So then, when you get to Christmas Day, there's a lot more meaning behind it. Not that there is not for you, but I want to give you the meaning first, so we can build on that meaning before, instead of hold on to it until uh, December 19th or 24th. And so, I want to help you prepare your hearts today for what you should be experiencing this whole month, essentially. And so today, we're discussing the most famous scripture in. The Bible, I know that I gave you our context is going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, but we're going to discuss the most famous scripture in the Bible in history just a little bit differently today. And so before I tell you that scripture, I want you to pretend like you've never heard it before. Just pretend that you've never heard the most famous scripture before in your life. So I want you to wipe your memory. And as you wipe your memory, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to step into the season of Christmas to remember the reason for what this is all about. Lord, this season is the most powerful most hopeful, most holy season of the whole year. And so I just ask that you would help us to open our ears and our eyes, our hearts, our hands, Lord, to receive today. I ask you to guide me, to lead me, help me to get out of the way, Lord, so your will can be done, so your word can be shared, so the message that you have for your people can help them move forward in their faith, especially in this season of Christmas. So thank you for all that you are, for all that you do, and for who you are to us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So... The most famous scripture in all the Bible would be what? John 3.16. If you knew that, you can put it in the chat if you're online with us. The most famous scripture would be John 3.16. What's crazy about John 3.16 is millions of people can quote this verse, which most of them aren't in church today or online today or anywhere today. They've, they've kind of stepped away from the faith. Millions of people can quote this verse. You see it in sporting events all over the world, Right? It's been on every college game day this year thus far, and we see it so much that I believe we've, be, we've become numb to it. And so why is this verse so important? I'm going to give you a couple points why John 3.16 is so important to us to refresh us. Remember, you've never heard this scripture before, okay? John 3.16 explains the reason for Christmas. It explains why history is divided into B.C. and A.D. It summarizes the Bible in a single sentence. It shows us both the greatest gift and the greatest sacrifice in human history. 
In one verse, it tells you how to settle your fate eternally. And in one verse, you get a summary of the entire Bible, the gospel. The good news is what it's been called. And it's clarified in what we're going to dive deeper into. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I'm going to share this with you right now. I'm going to be in the amplified version. It says this, so Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. We want John 3.16 clarified. How do I go deeper into John 3.16? We're going to look at it right here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith and you, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. That's John 3.16 in a nutshell. Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. And verse 19, that you may come to know practically through personal experience that you may personally experience Jesus Christ yourself, not through somebody else, not because your grandma, your grandpa, but that you may experience it personally, right? The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, it passes, it surpasses head knowledge that you may be filled up throughout your being, through who you are, it's your being, it's not doing, we are human beings, not human doings, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. This is Christmas. This is Christmas. And paraphrased, Ephesians chapter 3 says this, may your roots go deep in the soil of God's incredible love for you. May your roots go deep in the soil of God's incredible love for you. And this is what John 3.16 is really all about. God's incredible love for you. Now remember, if you haven't heard or seen this verse ever before, and so here it is. For God so loved the world, I'm in the King James Version, which I rarely jump into, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the gospel in one verse. This is the gospel in one verse. And if you get this verse, you're going to get what the Bible is all about. Now, this is not a sign that I'm holding up at a ball game. This is the reason for Christmas. John 3, 16. This is the reason for Christmas. Now, notice the central word in John 3, 16 is son, is son. Here's what's incredible about this verse. There are 25 words in the verse, John 3, 16, 25 words. There are 12 before son and 12 after son. And the first uh, 12 are all about God, right? First of all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Son is our hinge, right? Son is what pulls the two together. Son is what pulls God and man together. The last 12 are about mankind, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus being in the middle. Jesus is the middle. This is the picture of what Jesus Christ came to do at Christmas. Jesus Christ came to stand in the middle, to bridge the gap, and to bring God and man together, to restore that relationship. And there are three things that I really want to focus on as we look at the most famous scripture in history. I want to focus on God's love, Jesus' sacrifice, and the offer that God makes us. It's the best offer. It's the greatest offer this Christmas season, right? And so, one, you see love. The first one is love. For God so loved the world. The world meaning you and me, the human race. We're in that. If you live on planet Earth, you're in the world. For God so loved you. And what I want you to see here is so is an adverb of intensity. 
It's really packing a punch. Whenever you say the word so, you're, you're really meaning it. I love you so much. I've missed you so much. Anytime we use the word so, it brings an intensity to it, right? And so it means in this context that nobody is going to love you like God. God's love for you is intense, it's intentional, and it's beyond comprehension. God so loves you. Now in America, we take the word love, right? And we use it so many ways. I love my wife. I love uh, football. I love um, Jesus. I love my kids. I love cookies. Obviously, I love cookies, right? And the English language really limits our understanding of what the word love really means. And so we use the word love for everything. And so it's just this blanket statement that we can say, like Brick in Anchorman, I love lamp. Well, Brick, do you really love the lamp? Or are you just saying that you love the lamp? Because love can be and covers everything. And in the English language, you use it to describe a lot. In the Greek, there are four words that describe love. Many of you know this, and I'm not going to go deep on these, but I do want to bring them to your attention. I think we must dive into this just a little bit because there's a depth for, uh, for God's love for us. There's a depth of God's love for us that we can't comprehend. And, and it's because of our limitation, not his. And so then the four types of love in the Greek are this. Eros, which is intimate love. Dorje, which is a family type of love. Phileo, which is friendly love. And agape, which is unconditional love. And what we know about agape love is that's God's love for us. It's the one that we tend to struggle with, right? And, and struggle meaning in comprehension. And so then, God's love for you is agape love. And, and agape love has four parts to it. So we're still in point one. We're going to take a little subtext. If you're taking notes, we're going to jump into four parts of agape love. And here's what they are. First, God's love is eternal. God's love is eternal. He's always loved you. Ephesians 1, 4 in the message says, Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, God had us in mind, and he settled on us as the focus of his love. We were the focus. You were his focus. This means before God ever created the world, he thought of you. And then after he thought of you, he decided to love you. And Ephesians 1, 4 says, Before God planned the earth, he planned you. You have purpose. And so then after he thought of you, then he created the universe with you in mind because he wanted a family. God wanted a family. And we learned through Genesis that everything created on the earth is an object of God's love. Everything God created is an object of his love for mankind. And the reason that you're alive today is because God loves you. And God wants to love you. And God will always love you. God's love is eternal. That's why he made the universe. Speaking of the universe, it leads us to our second sub point, which is God's love is universal. God's love is universal. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Not just good people, not just one race, not just rich people, not just one class. All people, the world. And we have, on record right now, to date, we have around 600 billion people who have lived on the earth from the beginning of time until today. And God has loved every one of them. God's loved every one of them. The ones who have came before us and the ones who will come after us and the ones who are here right now. God loves every one of them. And the same is true for you. In fact, the reason that you have a pulse right now is because God loves you, right? And that's all the proof you need. Psalms 145 verse 9 through 10 says, The Lord is good to everyone, everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. You 
are his creation and so am I. You would have nothing today without God. There would be nothing today without God. Notice in Psalms 145, it doesn't say anything about your behavior. There is, there is no, the Lord is good if, I'll love you when, I love you because, I'll love you if. That's called conditional love. God's love for you is unconditional. So, so it doesn't come with an if or an, ex, or an expectation or a but. There is no clause before it. God's love for you is unconditional. And so then he is not waiting for you to adjust your behavior to love you. He loves you, so he created you. It's not about you doing something. It's about who he is. And so then, Psalms 145 says, And he is good to everyone, and he shows compassion to everyone. Which leads to the third part of God's love, point one still. God's love is unconditional. We talked about that to the start. Romans 8.39 said, Nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you're from, or who you did it with. All of that doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. The thing that gets in our way is us. It's us. And it doesn't separate us. God's love for us is still real. We create these, these roadblocks in our forehead that kind of limit us from receiving, right? And so God's love is not based on what you do. It's based on who he is. It's based on who he is. And through your worst and through your best, God has always loved you. And through your worst and through your best, God will always love you. God will never love you any less than he does right now. And God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. God's love for you, God's love for you is unconditional. It's not an if or a but or a both and it's always, it's unconditional. And so then, I believe you're here right now intentionally because God has a message for you. And throughout this month, as you reflect on the reason for the season, the reason for Christmas, know that before time began, God knew you would be here today and he knew you would hear this message. And the thought he had about you then is the same one that he has for you right now. I love you. It's very simply put, I love you. Which leads to the fourth part of God's love. God's love surrounds you. This is deep, okay? And that's one of them. And so Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 is one of the scriptures we talked about to, to gain context for John 3, 16. Here's what it says. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing God's endless love, his amazing endless love. And you can talk to a lot of people, okay? And you can talk to a lot of Christians and they'll say, yeah, 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 yeah. I know God loves me, but I just don't feel it, right? And this Christmas, what I believe with all my heart is God wants you to feel these four dimensions of his love for you. He wants you to know, understand and comprehend that his love is all around you. God's love for you is eternal. It's universal. It's unconditional. And it's all around you. It's all around you. This is phenomenal news as we step into the Christmas season and get to reflect on God's goodness for us this entire month as we build up and run into Christmas. In Ephesians, Paul tells us this, that God's love is 
long. And I just want to park on love for just a second because John 3.16, there's no greater love story than this. God's love is long. How long is God's love? God's love is long enough to last forever. The problem with love and people or people in love is this. It doesn't always work out. It wears out. It wears out. It doesn't last forever. And why is that? It's mainly because our love is conditional. God's love for us is unconditional. It's why we have a hard time comprehending it. But because God, but because our love is conditional, it wears out. And many people feel separation because of conditional love. But God's love is long and he'll never stop loving you. God's love is long. Ephesians says God's love is wide. How wide, how wide is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. There's no place you can go that God's love isn't. Now, there are times you feel alone, but with God, with God, you are never alone. Psalms 139, David says, there's no direction that I can run that God won't be. There's nowhere I can go that God won't be. His love is wide. If you want to know more about how wide God's love is, read Psalms 139 this week. It'll it'll really bless you. What about depth? What about the depth? How deep is God's love? It's deeper than the deepest, okay? It's deep enough to anchor anything. It's deep enough to anchor anything. 2021 was a very tough year for a lot of people, okay? There are a lot of people right now who feel like they've hit rock bottom. And no matter how deep your pit or how uh, deep your pain or how deep the problem, no matter how deep you feel you are, God's love is deeper and it can pull you out. God's love is deep enough to anchor anything. And finally, Paul tells us, that God's love is high. God's love is high. This is a big one. How high is God's love? It's high enough to overcome anything, any mountain, any obstacle, any barrier, any wall. God's love is high enough to overcome anything. And so then I'm not talking house remodel here, by the way. We are in Christmas. And so some of the biggest walls in our lives are created by hurt. They're created by hurt. And hurt is a barrier. It's a wall that separates us. And when we're hurt, we build walls that separate us from God and separate us from people. And when that happens, um, we tend to think that we're alone because we've, we've created a divider. And I just want to tell you that today, through Scripture, through Ephesians, through what Paul is telling us, is God's love is higher than that wall. It's higher than the highest wall that's ever been built. God's love is higher and overcomes anything. I'm not sure, while we're talking about hurt here, I'm not sure if or how you've been hurt this year or maybe in the past two years, the past decade, right? Any point in your life, I have a bunch of friends experiencing hurt right now from on a wide range (laughs) in the spectrum. And I want to tell you that no matter what it is, if it's a job, if it's a family member, if it's your marriage, if it's your church, we have a lot of people who are church hurt right now. Don't let that keep you from God because God is not keeping himself from you. God's love is high. And this month, as we ease into the season of Christmas, what I hope, what I hope you sense is the length and the width and the depth and the height of God's love for you. God's love is the greatest love that you're ever going to experience. It's the greatest love you'll ever have. Now let's get back to John 3.16 for our second point. John 3.16 doesn't just tell us about God's love for us, but also about the greatest sacrifice in human history. It's a second point. 
God gave his only son. For God so loved the world, one, that he gave his only son. That he gave his only son. And so then, he didn't send a representative. He didn't send, you know, some, some, guy, some sales rep or, or an angel. He didn't send a, a, a prophet. He didn't send any of those people. He sent his son. He came himself. He came himself, God in the flesh. It's Jesus. 2021, years ago, a baby was born in a manger. And Colossians 1.15 says that he, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. If you look at Jesus, you will see God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You can start in the New Testament, in the Gospels. You can start with Matthew, and you can see. In John 4.19, Jesus tells us that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God coming himself in the flesh is the greatest human sacrifice of all time. You ever notice that the story of the gospel is the exact opposite of any story that you've ever heard, any fairy tale? I read uh, fairy tales with Lanny on a regular basis. Uh, she's grown older now, so they're fewer, but she used to call them best time stories. Dad, will you read me a best time story? And as we'd read these stories, they always ended the same. The princess, the king, the queen, you know, the, the girl who went in the woods by herself, they're always, always rescued. People are always doing whatever it takes to rescue them, right? They're giving their lives, they're protecting, they're doing whatever it takes to rescue, right? And in those stories, it's nice that, that the person in the plot who's held in high regard is protected, is kept. And what I want you to see is the story of Christmas is the exact opposite. The story of Christmas, the king comes and he dies for us. The king comes and he gives his life for the people. The people aren't protecting him. He's protecting them. And this is God saying, the old Oklahoma phrase, if you're in the South, you know this. If you want anything done right, you got to do it yourself, right? If you want, hey. And this isn't God being frustrated because several people have tried and failed. He knew beforehand, before the creation of the world, this was going to happen. And he knew there's only one way to do this. We're going to do it right. And I'm going to have to do it myself because he's God, obviously. And so then God could have came in any way. He could have came in any way, any way that he pleased. He could be here, but he chose to come into the world the same way that you and I came into the world. He came as a baby because at that time, if God would have came any other form, it would have probably scared the crud right out of people, right? <laughs> Nobody's afraid of a baby. Nobody's afraid of a baby. So he came as a baby because he didn't come to scare us. He came to save us. And the reality is a lot happened in Jesus' life, but he really came to die. He was born to die. Romans 5, 8 says, God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. What? God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. He was born to die while we were of no use whatsoever to him. We get into heaven because of Jesus' sacrifice, because he was perfect. Everything in heaven is perfect. We are not. Jesus redeemed our imperfect life. He lived what we can't. He died what we should, so we can be righteous and live in eternity in that perfect place with him. Now, Nobody's perfect. There's one perfect being, Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fell short. We've all fell short. Some have sinned more than others. But we've all sinned. From the Pope to the firstborn baby. Sin. There is sin in the world. Some is extreme. Some is not. But there's nobody that's, that's perfect. And the reality is a price has to be paid for that sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And so then there's a price that has to be paid for sin. And good news this Christmas is this, is this. Everything that you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever done bad, evil, selfish, etc., has already been paid for. It's already been paid for. And so Jesus paid the price. Jesus died your death. It's the greatest gift that you can receive. And it's the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made. John 2, 2 in the message says this, When Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, He solved the sin problem for good. A lot of us go right over top of that. When Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, our, He solved the sin problem for good entirely. Not only ours, but the whole world's. Wow. This season, rest in that. Now, what happens when you trust Jesus for a sacrifice? When you receive him, what happens? We see this in, Corinthian, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then, in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. This, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what is called the great exchange. If you've ever heard about the great exchange... This is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is talking about. The great exchange. God took the sinless son and he poured our sins into him. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That's what we get when we receive, when we receive, when we accept. And so God's saying, I'm going to take all your bad. Okay. I'm going to take all your evil. I'm going to take everything that's negative, everything that's hurtful. I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to give you all my good. So then, for that exchange to take place, the cross had to happen. The price had to be paid. And when they drove the nails into Jesus' hands, you have to understand they were driven right into the heart of God. There's no other way to get to heaven. This was the way. And you'd think that God, if there was any other way, God would have done it. But there wasn't. Somebody had to pay the price. And Jesus was willing to pay that price. The king came and gave his life for us. Christmas. Christmas. <sighs> Your entrance into heaven is not based on what you do. This is a big point. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus has already done. If you're writing notes, take this down. There's a big difference between do and done. And a lot of us like to park on do and be busy. Okay, but there's a big difference between do and done. If you think about it this way, regardless of how you're raised or what your religious background or, or what your former beliefs are today, without ever hearing this scripture before, right? Think about it like this. The difference between religion to God and relationship with God is the difference between do and done. All religions have their list of things to do. Well, I got to do this, 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 this. And I tell you what, and they also have those lists. Don't do. Hey man, if you're going to be part of this crowd, 
don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, we don't do this, you don't do this. And we all know what to do and we know what not to do. And it's all about doing, 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 right? With the belief that if I do enough, if I do enough, I'll get to heaven. I think if I've done enough, but I'll never know if I've done enough because I keep raising the bar on what I have to do, right? The Bible tells us we're not saved by doing. We're not saved by works. Christianity doesn't have anything to do with doing. It has everything to do with done. It's a belief that it has already been done because we are saved by grace. In fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he's taking the sin for the entire human race. Right before he died, he said, it is finished. It's finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. What was finished? What was finished? Paying for the sins of my life. Paying for the sins of your life. Paying for the sins of everybody's life who's ever come before and all who will come after. Paying for the sin of the world. It is finished. We can't add anything to what Jesus already did, and we cannot take anything away from what he already did. And to believe more needs to be done is to tell Jesus he didn't do enough. And that's wrong. When he said it's finished, he meant it's finished. It's accomplished. It's done. There's a big difference. Believers, there's a big difference between do and done. We walk in God's grace. We do not work for it. The entire human race already has God's grace. They only need to receive it. The difference between religion to God and relationship with God is the difference between do and done. And to bring confirmation to that today, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by God's grace, oh sorry, it's for it is by grace, which is God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort. It's not of you, it's not because of your effort, but it is undeserved, gracious, it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, grace. It's not about what you did, it's not your effort, it's not your works, it's because of grace. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. It's not, a, it's not a checklist of all the things you have to do so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Who can take credit for their salvation? Nobody. Jesus. Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith with God's love. Please get this. You're saved by grace through faith with God's love, not by work through knowledge with your effort. Not by work through knowledge with your effort, but by grace through faith with God's love. So then, through John 3.16, the two points we've discussed are God's great love and Jesus' great sacrifice. To close, we see the greatest offer. It's the title of the message. This is the greatest offer. This is our final point. For God so loved the world, that's God's great love, that he gave his only son, that's God's greatest gift, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the greatest offer. It's the greatest offer. And Christmas brings great offers like we talked about, right? You have Black Friday. You have Small Business Saturday. 
you catch your breath on Sunday, then you have Cyber Monday. And Cyber Monday really happens all year round. We're gonna make a big deal about it on Cyber Monday, okay? And you have all the ads and all the coupons and all the email promos and all that stuff, and you have them all coming out your ears. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And the greatest offer that you're ever going to receive is the one that you cannot afford not to take. It's the offer that God makes to you. And in all those offers that you get in the mail, by the way, none of them really amount to anything. You have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, to save thousands of dollars. And so then God has an offer for you that you cannot afford to refuse. Whosoever believes in Jesus shall never die, paraphrased. And there's an offer here, but for the offer to be accepted, there has to be an exchange, right? There has to be an exchange. The offer is you never die. It's a pretty good offer. And the exchange is your belief. It's your belief. And, and your belief is rooted in your heart. And so who's the offer to? Everyone. The human race, it says, whosoever, meaning the entire human race. Titus 2.11 says, the free gift of eternal salvation is offered to everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter your past, your religious background. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're popular or unpopular. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for all. Jesus died for the world. Acts 10.35 says it like this. This is a message translation. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God, the door is open. I love that. It's not what you've been in life that matters. It's who you are. It's not what you've been in life that matters. It's who you are. Your identity has nothing to do with what you do. Your identity has to do with everything, everything that Jesus done, who Jesus is. It's who you are. God thought about you before the first sunrise. He knew you by name and he calls you son. He calls you daughter. You see that in John 1 12. Now for an offer to be complete, we have to make that exchange. An offer is just an offer until it's accepted, right? And so he sent Jesus knowing people would reject his love. He knew that. And Jesus gave his life knowing that people would decline the sacrifice and think, nah, that's not good enough. I got to do more. So then how do you accept God's offer? How do you accept the greatest offer? You find it in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. CBS is how it runs. If you confess and believe, you are saved. What's that mean? That means you graduate from do to done. Your relationship has been restored to God now. Once you confess and believe. Romans 10, 9 is two part. It's very clear though. It's very clear. Confess. What does it mean to confess? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. To say Jesus is my Lord means God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my heart. It's surrender. You're really saying, I know that I can't do this by myself. And I believe that it has already been done. I receive the sacrifice. When you confess, you're saying, I receive the sacrifice that you made. Be my Lord, which means rule my heart, which means be a part of every one of my decisions. Be a part of every one of my decisions. The second part is believe. Romans 10, 9 says, confess and believe. Believe, what does that mean? What does it mean to believe? Here's the thing. Believing is more than knowing. You believe in your heart, you know in your head, right? 
The word belief in the Bible means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on. It comes from your heart, not your head. And a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches because they have it here and they don't have it here. Reality is a lot of people say, yeah, I know Jesus is the son of God. A lot of people say it. You've heard people say that. But the devil says that too. The devil says that too. And he won't be in heaven. Knowing it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't do you any good. There are a lot of people who are not going to receive God's offer as well because of the fear of being judged. They just are so afraid of being judged. And I just want to show you that in John 12, 47, Jesus says this, If if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it, but to save it. And so a lot of people ask, okay, then what's in it for me? What's in it for me? First Peter 1, 3 through 4, the message answers the question. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. That's what's in it for you, the future. This is the offer. Why? Why? Why is answering Ephesians 1, 5? God's unchanging plan, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through the son, through his son, Jesus. This is what Christmas is all about. God wants you in his family. God wants you in his family. To become part of the family means to confess and believe. Remember what we see in the most famous scripture in all the world, John 3, 16. Remember we gained clarity through Ephesians 3, 17 and through 19. And here's what I want to show you. My hope for you is verse 19. Let me read it one more time. It's going to be on the screen. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience, through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience in God's presence in your life completely filled and flooded with God himself. That's my hope for you. That's what I pray for you every time I prep one of these messages. That's it. We used to put it on the screen after every message. John 3, 16 paraphrase, remember is this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith and may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in his love. Now, let me take you a step further. Here's my prayer for you today. It's Ephesians 3, 16. Remember, Christianity, being a believer, is the difference between do and done. When you walk in what's been done, you're walking in grace. You're walking in grace. And Ephesians 3.16 says, May He grant you, out of the riches of His glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through His Spirit in your inner self, your innermost being and personality. You're a human being not a human doing. You walk in done, you walk in grace. It's who you are that God's concerned about. It's who you are that makes the difference in others' lives. It's who God is to you, which allows you to be. This is the real reason for the season. And the truth is, the presents that you're going to unwrap under the tree 20 days from now represent Jesus. And the light he brings to the world and light he brings to your life, 
the joy that you get to experience, the way that your eyes light up on Christmas morning is a result of Jesus coming to the earth. It's the first gift. It's what the first gift represented. Light of the world stepped into darkness. John 12, 46 says this, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes and trusts in me as Savior, all those who anchor their hope in me and rely on the truth of my message will not continue to live in darkness ever again. John 3.16, for you, this is personalized, it says this, For God so loved you that he gave you Jesus, so that if you believe in him, you will live forever. That's Christmas. Father, thank you so much for this scripture, the greatest scripture that's ever been shared. We see it at least once a week if we watch TV. Lord, thank you that we're not numb to it. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's receiving it right now. And not just receiving it, but believing it, Father. I ask you to bless them right where they sit, stand, or lay. If they're driving or parked, Father, I just ask you to help them to sense your presence, Lord. In this season, may we all experience the depth of your love, the width, the height, Lord. How your love surrounds us, Father, I just pray right now that you help us to do that this December to do that this December to rest in that this December to be in that this December I love you with all my heart and I thank you for allowing me to share this message the message of Christmas the reason for Christmas the greatest offer that's ever been made Lord we receive it today it's in Jesus name Amen Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.